Back to the story. Um, so they, Tom Hardy's character impersonates Robert's godfather. I nearly said father-in-law. Godfather. To, and then Cobb manages to get like a combination lock from Robert, which I still don't understand what the point of like a combination lock is in like because they used a combination lock yeah it's really strange but i will just go with it you also see you also see that combination pop up all throughout the movie on all various bits and pieces yeah like you'll see it used in in like as a phone number you'll see it on like the numbers of the rooms in in hotel lobbies and stuff like that yeah Yeah. in the hallway and stuff yeah it's all over the shop yeah so the assailants are closing in on them to Robert's subconscious is like, oh, don't you bloody dare. And um, so they decide to jump into Yusuf's van. Tom Hardy at this point, which is what I'm also like, because you were like, Dane, like Dane was like, how come they don't dream more r- ridiculous things? Tom Hardy at this point dreams up a bigger gun because he's like, oh, you got to dream a little bigger. And it's like, Pew. And it's like why aren't they dreaming up things yeah. the entire time? <laughs> To mm. make... Dream up a tank. Oh, yeah. I need a chain gun to mow yeah. all these guys down. Like just, Let me get what, one. Like, why aren't they going? Oh man, I really wish we had like a you know a steel plate door where those guys are going to come in. Just fucking do it. And and they yeah to that point. Tom Hardy's line is, "You mustn't be afraid to dream yeah. a little bigger, darling." So like, yeah. why don't they just like, dream why bigger? Did they the go, why did they fuck off in this pissy? Yeah, they have handguns. Why didn't they like fuck off? Why did they drive off in that pissy little van? Like Dane said, why didn't they drive off in a tank or some sort of armored vehicle? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. 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 Give me a Humvee. Just, just have some rocket boots, not figure. Yeah. Well, you know, just you know, um, the president, <laughs> the U.S. president, he has that like tricked out armor car that they drive around in. That looks like a regular yeah. car. Why don't you just yeah, yeah, yeah. dream up one of those, Yusuf? God. <laughs> yeah, you said you fucking dumb donkey. <laughs> there. So in the back of Yusuf's van, the team descends into the second dream layer, which is a hotel lobby, where Ames poses as a female thief to distract Robert. For some, I just, which I still don't get, but I think it was to kind of set up Cobb, because Cobb himself was posing as a security expert and pretends to help Robert by alerting him to the robbery and being like, oh, that chick, she was bloody sexy, but she took your bloody wallet, you silly goose. Leads him <laughs> to a hotel room upstairs and kind of goes, hey, FYI, you're in a dream. Um, because they're playing, like, this kind of move, I don't know, something from their playbook where it's like, oh, okay, this isn't working, we're running out of time, I guess we better let the yeah. dream the person we're trying to extract the stuff from know that he is in fact dreaming so that we can get things moving a little faster um but yeah mm. so all the while the environment is being warped by the previous dream layer which is influenced by Yusuf's driving which I'm going to talk about in a second so <laughs> Cobb manipulates Robert into becoming suspicious of the motives of his uncle Peter which is his godfather and the three of them sink into a third layer of the dream which takes place in and around a snow-blanketed fortress. And so, yeah, like I said, I'm wondering, if they're rolling around in this fucking van, like, you see it, it they get driven off the road at one point and they roll down a thing, how come that yeah, never actually flip. acts as a kick and wakes them back up again? But 
the kick doesn't actually happen until the point. They drive mm. off a bridge and then they're like, oh yeah, that that's a kick. But it's like, but they literally drove off the road and literally rolled like three times and then kept driving. But and then not. Uh, yeah, is it? Does a kick have to be so. water? I Do thought it was just like a weightlessness movie? feeling, like because it, it's not actually they're hitting the water part yeah. is the fall that wakes them up. Because mm. like in the other one, yeah. in you know, Joseph Gordon-Levitt uses an explosion to. You, as a kick, you know, so it does. It does. Things aren't adding up. I'm no mathematician, but things aren't adding up. <laughs> so these dream worlds don't make no sense. And then none of the other levels are affected by the van rolling around. Just the second one. So that does also doesn't make any sense. But that's okay. So the team scurries to complete the Inception mission, still pursued by militarized protections from Robert, Robert's subconscious. Um. And then, yeah, they... Yusuf finally crashes off the bridge. And so he's, like, in a state of, like, woo, they're fallen. Um, and so he gives the kick, which is the song, too soon. So he gives a sign of the kick too soon. Um, and then they're like, oh, shit. So they're falling in slow motion back in the first dream. Joseph Gordon-Levitt is all, like, floaty, floating around you know, in a state of weightlessness, but on the snow level, in the third level, they're still running around like everything's Gucci. They just are running out of time. So realizing that they have limited time, Ariadne tells the rest of the team the quickest way to infiltrate the fortress. Arthur scrambles in the second layer to improvise an effective kick in the hotel where Cobb and the others are asleep. And like I said, this has become a zero gravity environment and because of the van falling in the first layer. And I'm just wondering, how is he stacking them all together? Like, if you think about, like, oh, you add up all the time. He's probably got, like, two minutes, like, between them falling asleep and mm. the weightlessness starting and then them waking up. Yeah. So in two minutes, he found all that wire. He grouped them all together. He just tied them all together, pushed them down the hallway, put them in a fucking elevator, put them in the thing, put... Put He's explosives a busy boy. on everything, blows one side and then blows the other side. He did that extremely quickly and he can't even touch the floor. <laughs> like <laughs> Are we are we glossing over the best scene in the movie? Is this the corridor fight scene we're discussing? Oh no, the corridor yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, no, we're at the we're about at the corridor fight scene because he's like he spends ages like he's like tying him up, then he pushes him down the hallway and then he gets in a fight and they're fucking floating there and then he's fighting and he's running and that was all practical effects, wasn't it, for most of that fight scene? Yeah, that was that the rotating yeah. corridor. An extensive wire Yeah, work. it's just like, like the corridor actually had to bolt everything down and just rotate it. Mm. So it was all done without wires and whatnot for Joseph Gordon-Levitt sort of bouncing around from side to side to the walls. Um, but yeah, that was by far my favourite scene in the movie, it. and I thought the most yeah. the most surreal part of it all, because um, obviously there's always something really there's always one super unique thing with Nolan films. Like obviously we've got this, like Memento, mm. it's told backwards. You've got Tenet, where the the fight scenes are all practical and they're all done in real time in reverse, which is an incredible thing to achieve. Yeah. Um, the Prestige yeah, is just, just a fucking looks... cracker of a movie. Yeah, but and this yeah. was just fantastic. Just the actual physical rotating yeah. 
corridor and the floating fight scenes. That was cool. It was great. It was cool. It's an but amazing it just, set piece. Yeah, it just he yeah, just was must so have been cool. the fucking Flash because he fucking sped through all of that because he really only <laughs> had a couple minutes to, for all of that to happen before they all had to wake up again. In the third layer, Robert reaches the fortress's strong room. So they've gone through the snow, they've made their way in there, but then Mal shows up again um, and shoots him. So everything's gone tits up, boys. <laughs> Cobb thinks the operation is over, but Ariadne convinces him to go one layer deeper to in order to save Robert and redeem the mission. And she just really nonchalantly says, like, yeah, just get the defibrillator and revive him, and then we'll be sweet. Like, oh, I'll use that as a kicker when I wake up and... Yeah, whatever. (laughs) So, and he's like, Mal, oh my god, yeah, Mal has him, yeah, she took him. It's like, okay, when did did this come into play that, that... that projections could take people hostage. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, yeah. That she's a kidnapper. Now. Like, how does she exist yeah. outside of his like consciousness? Like, out of his, you know, she's a dream. She's a dream thing. How has she got her own like? How? <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I think the more you think about it, you're like, oh, that yeah. doesn't make a lot of sense. The rules of the world and unravel Sato, a little bit. Yeah. At this point, like, yeah. he's also like, he's been having a bad time. He's coughing up blood and stuff, and in this layer, he finally succumbs to his injuries and dies, which means he goes into limbo. So then Ames decides he's going to put explosive charges around the fortress in order to set off a kick in that layer so that they wake up and go back into the second layer. Um, So Cobb and Ariadne descend into the fourth layer of the dream, which is a crumbling cityscape that Cobb and Mal built together in the 50 years they spent in limbo. Cobb confesses to Ariadne, which is a big pivotal point in the scene, that he actually incept he knew that this mission would work because he actually has used Inception before and he used it on Mal um, mm. in Limbo to convince her that Limbo was not real so that she would agree to kill herself to wake up and be with their children. And that's why she continued to live in the reality and eventually committed suicide, leaving Cobb ridden with guilt because he caused the death of his wife. Um, did you guys find that? I didn't actually like find that as impactful as it probably should have been. I didn't go when that when that was that was supposed to be like a big reveal. I feel and I didn't be like, whoa, that's crazy. That's such a because I like if you think about yeah. it, that's really fucked up. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh yeah, that's super fucked up. <laughs> He's yeah, not he's a, a nice dude. person. That's a really bad yeah. thing to do to somebody. Like, he ruined his wife's life, and he obviously feels bad about it, but I feel like that reveal was kind of overshadowed by everything else that was happening. Yeah, and, like, we already knew yeah. that she had killed herself and that, that was it was a stitch-up. It just felt like... It, it It felt like it was sort of too much, like... I Same, Kieran, like, I didn't really care by that point that it was Leonardo DiCaprio's no. fault. Like, her setting him up to, to frame him for her murder was enough. Yeah. Like, you didn't need that, oh, it was also his fault. Yeah. Because then I'm like, well, I don't feel bad for anybody yeah. now. And I feel like maybe they should have saved, yeah. they should have saved that reveal. Like, because we, we already knew that she killed herself, maybe they should have saved the reveal that she killed herself to now so that it would have been more yeah. of a, like, oh, shit. Like, yeah. But Very much so. it was, didn't have that, like, I think the... The intention was for it to be an oh shit moment, but it never actually felt like an mm. oh shit moment to the people watching it because mm. 
they had already re- they already hashed over this already that she had killed herself and that he was framed for it and stuff like that so um it was just like oh yeah by the way i remember yeah. that conversation that we had three dreams ago um yeah that was my fault <laughs> like that's what it felt like <laughs> my bad my bad <laughs> yeah. So, yeah so anyway that twist was a bloody f- it kind of fizzled it didn't pop but th- i feel like they wanted too many twists there's too many twists to have an impact because Christopher Nolan movies always have a fucking banger twist mm. to it. Um, mm. But this one was just too many. Like, save the big twist to the end instead of yeah. giving us a twist in the middle and a twist at the end as well. Yeah, Too many chefs. Um, but yeah, so in a nearby building, Ariadne and Cobb find Marl and Robert and Ariadne wakes him up so that he can infiltrate the fortress's strong room and she does so by throwing they he they jump off of a building but she has a gun so why didn't she shoot it themselves in the head or something like that's all right. <laughs> okay i'll just jump off this building yeah so it's a great question um yeah yeah i don't know yeah she's yeah she's yeah. got a gun the whole mm. time <laughs> uh, maybe it's because she needs the kick from falling i don't know like Mm. Um, and also, I'm a little confused, like, about how Mal works, um, because, like, why is she still in Limbo? Why did she take Robert? Yeah, why does Cobb I... have control? Like, does Cobb have control over this? Because it's his subconscious. And so, is every time... This is literally what I wrote in my notes. Is every time he talks to Mal just him talking to himself? And couldn't he tell her just to fuck off? Like, <laughs> yeah. I couldn't just be like, dude, fuck off. Like, yeah. I'm done. Or did he have to, like, come to terms with his trauma so that his subconscious would be like, okay, let go now. Inception. Mm. Subtitle. Why did this happen? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, as the dream world starts to collapse, um, Cobb tells Ariadne to ride the kicks up through the layers of the dream while he rescues Sato. So he's going to stay behind in Limbo, so he's going to die in the dream, so that he goes to Limbo to rescue old mate Ken Watanabe. Um, Cobb then is stays behind with Mal in that dream, in the fourth layer of the dream, and is like, you're not real, and I need to let go of you, I can't keep holding on to you like this. And Robert puts in a code in the strong room, because he's woken up in that dream, but not the dreams after that. And reveals a large op- operating room with his dying father inside. Robert's father tells him to live his own life. And so you have to remember this is not actually Robert's father. It's his own subconscious making a projection of his father. So the inception is complete because his subconscious has told him to be his own man. And he can move on and he can make that decision for himself. Um, Cobb searches for... S- yeah. Yes, good job. Job well done, everybody. So Cobb searches for Sato in Limbo (laughs) while the others ride the kicks back to reality. So their dreams are done, but what's going to happen to bloody Leonardo DiCaprio? Well, I'll tell you what happens. Oh my goodness. Oh, you're on the edge of your seats, I can tell. No. (laughs) So Cobb washes up on the shore of an unknown beach and is dragged into a giant mansion, just like in the opening scene. And the man that sits across from him is revealed to be Sato, who is now very old in very subpar makeup. This is so many. See what I mean? It's like, like I've, I always say Lord of the Rings has so many endings. This fucking movie has so many <laughs> mm. twists. This is like three or four twists deep now. Like, yeah. 
But yeah, so <laughs> Sato, yeah. now old, recognizes Cobb as a man from a half-remembered dream. Cobb reminds them of their agreement, and the two suddenly wake up on the passenger airline t- next to Ariadne, Robert, Ames, Sato, and Yusuf, who have all successfully made it back to reality. And they're all young men now, and they're not all bloody drowny-looking and in their fancy outfits. Yeah, yeah and not Sato's dying, not dying. Um, Cobb arrives in the United States and is greeted by Stephen Miles, Mr. Michael Caine, and he says, Hello, I'm Michael Caine. Let's go home. <laughs> Just like that. <laughs> yeah. Exactly like that. He, he also says, I'm Michael yeah. Caine. <laughs> he doesn't no. say his character's name. He says, I'm yeah. Michael Caine. Yeah, and he's Follow taken me. home to his children. So Cobb arrives home and uses Mal's totem, which is a top that spins indefinitely into a dream. Uh, in a dream, sorry, um, to test if he is indeed in the real world, but he chooses not to observe the result and instead joins his children. And that is Inception. Did we mention the spinning top? Um, Oh yeah, so this was the big thing that everybody has always talked about. That the top, we never actually see it fall, but we do see it jiggle. Um, And that's the end shot of the movie. You never actually do see the top mm. fall over. Yeah, and yeah. it cuts to black early. Very ambiguous. Which, I, I don't know about you guys, I love it. I think it's well, Michael such Kane. a good ending. It's <laughs> Michael so Kane, because he just doesn't give a fuck anymore, because he's retired now. So he's most... He <laughs> this did is such a, a he funny did a, quote. He did a movie with um, <laughs> uh, Aubrey Plaza recently, and that's his last ever movie. If you guys didn't know, he's actually retired officially. Oh, yeah. and he did a movie with Aubrey Plaza. Yeah. Because obviously you work with her, she must have scared the shit out of him. (laughs) And he was like, I never want to do this again. (laughs) Um, Right. Yeah, it's like a, you know, driving in a car road trip movie with Aubrey Plaza. Bizarre. But I'll watch it. Yeah, I would totally watch that movie. (laughs) But yeah, and he actually, like, in recent years, like, he doesn't give a fuck. And he basically has said, oh, yeah, Christopher Nolan told me that every time I'm in a scene, it's reality. So... Jokes on you, all you guys hmm. that don't couldn't tell if it was all you idiots. All you idiots. Me. <laughs> Hello, it's me, Michael Caine. I'm Michael Caine. And it was reality. <laughs> Actually, no, he. Yeah, I, I did read that quote, and I was like, "That's so funny," because Christopher Nolan's always like, "Yeah, we wanted to leave it and ambiguous," because like... you don't yeah. know, because you want. Yeah, Cobb's chosen his family over knowing. Yeah, if it's yeah. like if he's in a dream or not. But then Michael Caine's like, Oi. nah, I don't do dreams. <laughs> Was Michael Caine in Tenet? I don't know. Do you want me to Google it? I'll Google it. Oh, God. I, I don't remember. I can't remember because then day. maybe he could just give us some clarification on what happened in that movie. <laughs> well, I just Googled yeah, it. Yeah, he is. He's, he's in it for like two minutes. I just Googled it and then. The first thing that came up, the first yeah, thing that is. came up is Michael Caine has no idea what Christopher Nolan's Tenet is about. <laughs> <laughs> and then it says, not well, even, the, 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 sub, the, the byline is not even Michael Caine knows anything about Nolan's upcoming espionage action film Tenet and he's featured in the cast. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I love yeah. that. So, what did you guys think of the movie? Uh, I mean, this. I think the whole dream thing could easily be scrapped and just have a nice, fun espionage thriller. Mm. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah, like obviously the surreal stuff's um quite quite cool and it's a pretty convoluted movie. Um mm. Yeah. I don't know, like what watching it again, I would just keep forgetting that they were dreaming in different levels and I just was just watching so a globe trotting spy thriller. Um mm. because yeah, the James Bond on Yeah. Answer. Like the surreal stuff was like yeah, I know we've already explained why there wasn't much of it, but when there was, it was too few and far between. Um, and we're like, oh yeah, we're in a yeah. dream. That's right. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I think it would be cool if they played with that more. Like, I know you guys aren't huge Marvel fans, but have you seen mm. like Doctor yeah. Strange? No. Nah. He does reality bending pretty much, and so like the the world can fold in on itself, and like all these things and trains run up walls at weird angles and all this other stuff. But, like, yeah, some cool elements of that yeah. would have been cool in Inception. But I, I don't know. I guess, yeah, he's trying to ground it in somewhat of a reality. Yeah, like, it makes it hard. It, was, it makes it unbelievable. Like, it makes it easy to question everything that's happening when there's reality to go back to. Just... Ju- yeah, yeah, exactly. Just watching it again, because it, it had been quite some time since I had watched it. When I was rewatching, I was like, fuck, I can't wait to watch The Matrix 4, because it's obviously... There's a lot of Matrix elements in there. <laughs> And I love The Matrix growing up, but mm. I just wish I was watching The Matrix instead of Inception. Because like I said earlier, it just felt like it It just hadn't held up after all these years. The Dark Knights will hold up forever because they're just they, this brand mm. new spin on um, on on this, this superhero that we'd stepped away from the campy, um, glorified Batman to the really dark, brooding, miserable stuff. I was like, great, that's such a fresh take on what we've seen so much of already. So, well, yeah, I don't know. Your partner, Dane, I was speaking to her before this, and she had the best take of this movie that I have ever heard. And it was the mate, <laughs> it's the Matrix meets Titanic. And I think that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd go with that. I don't know. I, I, I do think it's quite, even just trying to think about planning this movie is a nightmare. I do think it's amazing that the movie actually yeah. it works. Like, even if we don't love all the elements, yeah, it does kind of make sense for most of it. And, like, yeah, there's some really, really good stuff in there. Um, an incredible cast. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. It's good. It's a good movie. It's a good movie. <laughs> if you it's watch it the first movie. time and you just enjoy it for what it is, I think. Like like I said before, if you don't think too hard yeah. about it, it's really easy to enjoy this movie. But if you're a little nasty boy like Dane and you watch it and you go, hey, I'm here. <laughs> I would love to see Ryan as actual like a proper, like a, a paid movie critic. And it would just be the review of, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to make yeah. of this. Then, so, uh, but then you don't money, want to like, insult anybody, so you give it like four stars. <laughs> <laughs> Your Ryan, Ryan will be the most polite movie critic ever, ever anywhere. Like everything be rated top of its game. <laughs> everything is a five star. And then there's a sincere, yeah. too, sincere, too nice. sincere apology at the end for not giving it five stars. <laughs> <laughs> I I do like it as well. There's. I like it in when you're really deep in the dreams, you kind of forget which is like reality, like which is the real world. Yeah. Mm. And like, as you're coming back, you're like, oh yeah, the, tr- the, the van, that's the real one, obviously. And then you get kicked out of that and you're like, oh shit. Okay. It's the plane. That's where we started. Like you get a little bit lost in it, which I think is kind of cool because it kind of shows like 
uh, what happened to Cobb and uh, Mal. Yeah, as well. They got lost. It's like I got a bit confused. That, yeah, because you get a bit lost in the worlds, especially when you're four dreams deep mm. by the end yeah. of it. Hundred percent. Yeah. Totally understandable. Um, that must be like a surreal feeling. Like I can't imagine ever that ever happening. To me. I, I, I do. Th- I do think it's interesting too that like. Pretty much if you break it down to its most simple level, it's a heist film. Yeah. It's just the most confusing and convoluted and, yeah, yeah. otherworldly heist film. Yeah. Like, I, and I, I love the, heist Give films. me the Italian job any day of the week. <laughs> <laughs> Where are the Mini yeah. Coopers? Come on. <laughs> Ocean's Eleven, that makes sense. I hope mm. you'd you'd want the original um, Italian job and not Mark Wahlberg's no, 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 Mark no, no, no. Wahlberg job. Marky, Marky Mark. No, 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 no. No Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch in a Mini Cooper, thank you. <laughs> no Marky Mark ever, please. Well, boys, I've got some very fun facts for you. Would you like to? Would you like to hear some? I love some. Oh my God, I would. So, we've mentioned the big wah that. Hans Zimmer uses throughout the film and is like, you know, a cornerstone of the movie, I guess. And mm. it ended up mm. being like something that everybody fucking used in movies and film trailers ever since then. Yeah. I think it still happens today. Yeah. Like, I swear you still hear like a blah every now and then in a film trailer as the title comes up. So... It's a like, it's such a strange iconic sound too. Like you got the Jurassic Park theme song and Darth Vader's Imperial March, and then <laughs> just this someone that's just held on to a car horn. Well, I'll tell you. Do you want to know where that <laughs> that sound actually comes from? Please. So the boire is actually a slowed down version of "Non Je Ne Regrette Rien" by Edith Piaf, which is the song that counts down the kicks. The kick yeah. song. So the time dilation stretches out the timing of the music and Hans Zimmer reflected that in the score because he is a clever boy. He's a clever boy. Speaking of that Edith PF song, which I'm not going to attempt to say again. Um, <laughs> so Oh, sorry, just rearranged myself in my seat. So Nolan chose this song specifically because its lyrics explore the effect of memories on the psyche and how destructive not letting go of painful memories and heartbreak can have on one's subconscious. So in the original French lyric, it says, I regret neither the good things done to me nor the bad things. And then that translated into French is, Ni la bien coma fait ni la ma, or mal, mal. But yes, mal, mal. And the last word, mal, translates to, kind of loosely translate to bad in several languages. And that is where he got the name for Marion Cotillard's villain character, Mal. Um, and she represents a character who is a painful memory who aims to literally destroy Cobb's subconscious. So I thought that was a really interesting fact that... Yeah. Mm. Fun little name play there, you go. there, Mr. Clever Boy Christopher Nolan. <laughs> yeah, wow. Do you guys have any fun facts? Do I? Tell me. Oh, wait. Ryan, wait, would you wait. like to go? I got, can, or, I just or interrupt? I? can I just interrupt? So, Hans, so, it was just about the music again, sorry. Hans Zimmer so wrote the music simultaneously to filming. So, like, while they were filming, he was writing the music. Um, and he wanted to reflect the nostalgia and sadness to match Cobb's feelings throughout the film. But did you know that 
it was nominated for an Academy Award for the original Best Score category, and it lost to the score for The Social Network. Yeah. <laughs> That's fucking bullshit. What? Yeah. Yeah, what? Yeah. I can't even. Okay. Well, I didn't. Did the social network even. That's have what a I mean. Score? It's not memorable whatsoever. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. What a, what a crazy thing to lose to. All I remember from that bloody Oscars year was that the social network lost best picture to uh, the King's Speech. I love the King's Speech. Like, Are you joking? I love the King's Speech. I know, but the social network is a masterpiece. But, 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 oh. but the King's Speech is a fucking good movie, man. <laughs> it's so good. I watch it is a when good it's movie. raining. I watch that movie. Like I don't know if that makes me a nerd. I just love Colin Firth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's fantastic. He is. Oh well, Dana, what facts you got, mate? Um, I've just uh, act- well, a lot of the facts Kieran's touch on. Uh, I I also had, but I had a couple she hadn't stolen from me. Oh shit! So originally, and this is probably the most disgusting fact, is that this movie was going to be uh, shot in three D. Remember when everyone was all hyped oh, yeah. for 3D? Oh, I would have loved Fucking it when young. Leo pointed at me in the cinema in 3D. Well, remember and he was like, when... we're going to incept mm. you. <laughs> and I was like, ah. <laughs> remember when everybody was really into going to IMAX for everything? <laughs> and then it's been under construction. And everybody's been like in Sydney, the, the one IMAX theater mm, yeah, we have. And everybody's kind of like. one in the world. Everyone's like, you know what? We're actually totally fine with that. We do not need to go see everything in 3D. Thank you. Anyway. We're all getting old. Our eyes can't handle it. No. Nah. I actually, I went to, I went and saw some, I think I saw Toy Story 3, Toy Story 2. I saw one of the Toy Stories at school in the IMAX mm. theater and a girl fainted because oh. of the motion sickness because of how big the screen is and motion yeah. sickness is caused by peripheral movement outside of your peripheral vision um, and mm. your brain can't handle it. And yeah, so she, she went to go get up and she fucking... <laughs> well, she was just damn. like <laughs> and fainted. Yeah, you damn. know how sloped that IMAX theater seating is. It was yeah, not they a, are steep. It was not a fun time. She was okay though. <laughs> yeah, damn. Well, uh, obviously, like Kira and I, you and I are a couple of a blind yeah. buds with our great big thick glasses. So wearing three D glasses um, on top of it just gives me I a massive it. fucking headache. Like I can't even play. Um, like the Oculus Rift no, or anything, I, because it's just it's oh too man. contrasting. Oculus Rift doesn't work for me because yeah. I have astigmatism. So and my glasses are really thick. I'm like a minus six, I think now. So I cannot see in an Oculus Rift. I've never been able to use one. And um, what was the other thing? Oh, well, the only I'll be hanging out in the metaverse on my own. So. <laughs> yeah. See you never. <laughs> see you losers never. But yeah, I um the only time 3D has ever actually worked for me was at Universal Studios in Japan because they actually had ones that went actually over my whole glasses and I could I was like, "Whoa, 3D is sick." <laughs> uh, well, I've got some more trivia. Apparently, Michael Caine's in a whole heap of Christopher Nolan films because Nolan considers him to be good luck. He is very oh. lucky. I'm Michael Caine. I'm good mm. luck. <laughs> There's, there's a little bit of I trivia. I played a spy in um, lots of movies. <laughs> do you know what would have made this film drastically different if uh, if this was cast differently? Both Brad Pitt and Will Smith were up for playing Dominic oh, that, uh, Brad Pitt I could Ugh. see. Will Smith, no fucking way. I think Will Smith is one of the most overrated yes, actors of the world. Yes, 100%. That's a, they're weird picks too. 
Very strange. I agree. Brad Pitt, I can see, but Will Smith, he'd just be wooing all over the place. <laughs> like, woo, another dream. Yeah. yeah. And That's a kick song. Finally. Get jiggy with it. Finally, my dear friends, um, all the major characters who we um, we meet in the movie, mm. the start, the first letter of all their character names is an acronym. Um, so you got like Dominic Cobb um, and Eames and Arthur and Maul and Sato and all that. Yeah, rearrange all the major characters, the first letters from all their names. Uh, it says Dreams Pay. That's the oh shit. God. That is a really shit. That's <laughs> that, so that is a, I thought it was going <laughs> to be something way better than that. Nah, that's a great little bit of trivia. Nah. Fuck. It says Nolan rocks with an X. I would have yeah, liked that way more. Like, <laughs> I wish you didn't tell me that fact because I am so disappointed it wasn't Nolan rocks. <laughs> um, well, yeah, that's my last bit of trivia. That's okay. I've got I've got a few that are kind of fun. Hopefully, it's nothing but up after that fact. <laughs> Yeah, so Nolan had actually been trying to work with Leo for years, um, but was unable to get him on any of his projects. Um, but Leo uh, signed on because he was intrigued by the concept and thought the script was really well written and comprehensive, but he didn't feel the emotional journey of the character was strong enough. So him and um, Nolan worked together to make sure that Cobb's emotional journey was the driving force of the movie. Yeah, cool. I was like, that's pretty cool. That's... That's pretty awesome that, yeah, Leo was like, yeah, I like this, but let's uh, let's change this up a little bit. Yeah, let's make it a let's little bit better. Going. You're right. Other than that, um, in Japan, uh, when the film is screened on TV, uh, there are numbers shown in the corner of the screen to tell the audience uh, which level of the dream uh, the scene takes place in. That's which cool. Which adorable. <laughs> I feel like I need that. <laughs> that would help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was like, I love that. The yeah, only other one I have is... Um, Chris Nolan has six movies in the top 250 movies on IMDb. That's which pretty sick. Which is pretty, pretty damn impressive. Good on him. My, my other little bit I wanted to touch on, have you guys heard the theory about Mal and uh, Cobb's totem at all? No. No. Okay. So strap in, everybody. I don't think it's a very well um, <laughs> thought out theory, but it kind of makes a bit of sense at points. Yeah, so Cobb's totem in the movie is played as the spinning top, is, which is what he shows Ariadne and uses throughout uh, the film to test whether he is dreaming or not. But this totem was originally his wife's, which uh, she came up with the idea of totems and the audience understands that. And at the end of the film, when the team finishes the mission, Cobb returns home, he spins the top on the table and looks up and sees his kids and no longer cares if he's in a dream or not. Um, but what if that's not actually Cobb's token? Um, people have wondered if since that is Mal's token, it can't also be Cobb's token. But his actual totem is his wedding ring. Because apparently you can see Cobb wearing his wedding ring when he's in a dream because he's still with Mal. But in reality, he's not. Yeah, he, so, he did what I said. You have the yeah. totem when you're not dreaming or vice versa. Um, yeah, so this idea is actually supported by the ring being an object that could have very specific characteristics, such as the weight and the shape of it. Um, and it would have certainly been um, only Cobb, like, would have touched it. Like, yeah, 
he would be the only one who would know what it would feel like and what weight and shape it would have. Um, but what's interesting is even if the ring wasn't Cobb's real totem, this idea gives um, helps to give more clarity to the ending as he's not actually wearing it in the final scenes, but no. his hand is obscured in the last shot. So who knows? Who knows? Well, Michael Caine knows because he fucking burst that Michael Caine. <laughs> I was in the real world this whole movie. <laughs> what the fuck is a dream? I got told this was a normal movie. I'm Michael Caine. <laughs> <laughs> so do we have any reviews? Yes. Yes. Shall I, shall I jump it. in? I've, yeah, got a, I've got a five star and I've got a one star. Um... So my five star um, from the Batman. So I think there's some some bias. <laughs> Bit of here. bias, yeah, coming into that. Uh, one of the best films of the entire century. A superbly crafted, mind-bending, action-packed, chilling thriller and suspenseful movie. I recommend it to every movie goer and to the fans of Christopher Nolan. It's one of his best, if not the best. So that's a five star. That's a definitely then Nolan fanboy. Yeah, and then I have a one star from DJ Michelangelo. Um, <laughs> what a disaster! The di- and also at first I thought this was about Tenet. I know we rag on Tenet a lot, but fuck, I hate Tenet. What a disaster! The dialogue in this movie was inaudible, just mumbling the words that were drowned out by the overly loud music and show off sound effects. I don't know what kind of production house okayed the audio engineering on this movie but it was completely unsuited for home viewing. Maybe it sounded okay in the theatre. Then again, the whole movie was a dumpster fire. One wow. star. <laughs> yeah. That was intense. I genuinely think that he's confused with Tenet there, but I yeah. in the Inception reviews, so who knows. You can hear, I think, every bit of dialogue in Inception. Tenet. Yeah. You could maybe I, hear 10%. Well, I mean, I only found that review because it was basically the only one star that I could find of it. Because mm. as much as we've we've said to a negative, a lot of people love this movie. Um, but yeah, it was in the Inception, Inception review. Do you so. think Nolan will there release a director's cut of Tenet where he just turns the music down so you can hear what's happening? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> it's part of the mystery. <laughs> mm. All right, Ryan, mate, you you go with your reviews. Okay, well, I've only got a I've only got a good one. Uh, this is the five star. So this endlessly fascinating swirl of a film could have only come only from Nolan, who blends the cerebral twistiness of Memento with the spectacular action of his Batman mega hit, The Dark Knight. Which, yeah, I think is pretty pretty accurate. I do like some of the elements from it that he kind of learnt from Memento and. Um, yeah, some of the action set pieces are pretty decent in this one as well. Yeah. So. Yeah, 100%. Mm. Yeah. I do love that spinny hallway scene. That's awesome. So cool. Yeah, it's pretty unreal. Yeah. What about you, CC? Well, I've got a one star and a five star. Oh, yeah. So I've got, never, never seen anything like that. This is perfection. Oh, my God. Am I dreaming? 10 out of 10. So that was my good review. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> Oh, okay. My one, my one star. So, pseudo intelligent, boring movie with non-attractive actors, except for except for <laughs> Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who is so talented 
and was put in this trash by mistake as he deserves better roles. That was a real torture to watch this to the end one star. <laughs> what? I'm not even joking. That's what what it even says. is that review? <laughs> so, yeah, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is, is probably the least attractive yeah. movie. Yeah, I was going to say, there is yeah. Tom Hardy and Leo in this movie. Literally, verbatim. <laughs> Verbatim, it says, except for talented Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who was put in this trash by mistake as he deserves better roles. I'm not lying to you. That's what it says. <laughs> what the fuck? Maybe, <laughs> Maybe they were confused Maybe about who Joseph Gordon-Levitt is. Maybe Joseph Gordon-Levitt thought, thought he was someone have- else. Maybe maybe Joseph Gordon-Levitt <laughs> thought he would have more screen time and was like, hey, you know what? I'm going to write a review. Yeah. It's his review. What do you guys... Do you guys have any recommendations of if someone likes a certain movie, they might like a little bit of Inception in their life? Well, I thought... I pretty much just wrote down if you like any of Christopher Nolan's earlier movies or, you know, something like Mm. Prestige, which is all dark, spooky, big old twist at the end, you might like this. I pretty much just have all of Christopher Nolan's work written down. Yeah. Yeah, nice. What about you, Dana? Uh, I've already mentioned it, but if you like this, you'd like The Matrix. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Obviously, in The Matrix, when they're in there, and they're sleeping in their weird, slimy pods and everything, and then they're running around in their little dream worlds. Yeah. Heaps Mm. of surreal shit happening all the way through. So, um, yeah. That's that's what I. That would be my uh, recommendation if you enjoyed this. Yeah, nice. Good recommendation. I was going to say, mine's a little bit different. Uh, mine was, if you like, Shutter Island. Which Hell is a yeah. Scorsese oh. movie with Leo. Oh, I love uh, it's that kind movie. It's of, kind of like Inceptions. It's a bit, it's, yeah, it's probably a little bit more intense. There's a pretty strong emotional core to it that's yeah. quite similar to Inception. Um, and it's pretty twisty. What the hell's going on? Yeah. Shutter Island so, is yeah, one of yeah. my favorite movies ever. It's good. It's got some good spooks in it. Yeah, yeah, it's, so yeah it's a little bit scary at times. I love. I um, think if you guys like, if you could, if the listeners, hello listeners, we never talk to you, but there are there are actually <laughs> listeners. If you could see the calendar that is set out of who what we have picked out for our little boys to watch, pretty much all of mine are horror movies. <laughs> I think this is the one exception, and it's just yeah, yeah. Shutter Island. It's it's scary. It's a mystery. Martin Scorsese made it, so you know it's fucking beautiful to look at. Ugh. Mm, yeah. Mm. Um, what What have you guys been watching, or what have you guys been doing with your time? Uh, I actually started watching uh, the animated Cowboy Bebop Hell for the yeah. first time. Oh yeah, nice. Yeah, I'm not much. I've I've never been much of an anime fan, but um, my partner Suanna's been wanting me to watch it for forever and a day. And then we finally sat down, and I'm, I'm hooked. I've been smashing through the episodes. I'm oh, loving it. Oh, man, I've got a lot of anime to suggest to you, my boy. Mm, please I do. I live in anime land. Please do. It's so good. <laughs> I don't really know much about Cowboy Bebop. Uh, have you started watching the Netflix one, the live action? Apparently it's a dumpster fire. No. Oh, is it? <laughs> uh, okay. well, I wanted to watch I wanted to watch the, uh, the original before I, we even gave it a crack. Yeah. Um, but also... Uh, tell you what I started watching last night? Season 2 of Tiger King. Oh my god. I watched, I watched is, all of is that Is there actually anything to that story? Yes, there's so much more that we don't know what was happening while Tiger King was happening. Watch it. I watched all of it in a day. 
Tiger King. Yeah, right. Yeah, the new one. Fuck. Season two. Season two. Bloody compelling shit right there. It's actually good. Okay. Because I was like, what yeah. the hell are they going to do with this thing? Yeah, yeah it's not Joe's like you know, in jail. Made, um, you know how they made Making a Murderer and then everybody went crazy, so they made Making a Murderer season two and that mm. was literally just like, yeah, we're still figuring it out, but, you know, we're trying real hard. <laughs> we're doing it's our best like over that. here. <laughs> they yeah. actually have stuff that's going on that people didn't really know about, so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah fair enough. Very, very interesting telly. <laughs> Yeah, nice. What about you, Ryan? What have you been watching? Um, well, I watched a movie that I've been waiting to see for quite a long while. Um, I watched Wonder Woman 1984. What's the verdict? And, uh, if you know anything about that movie, it is fucking dog shit. It is terrible. <laughs> absolutely terrible. And this is coming off someone like I was actually a huge fan of the first one. I loved it. I thought it was such a good movie. Um, yeah, love the first one. I thought it was like the perfect, I don't know, the perfect hero origin story. And then this new one, holy God, it is fucking weird. It's a nightmare of a movie. It's so funny too. It like starts and it's like, um, Patty Jenkins said she paid homage to like the original Superman from the seventies. And like, you get that, Mm. but then the movie just goes so freaking weird it's all about wishes. Oh, what? I kind of want us to watch it, but I don't know if I could watch it a second time. Oh my god! It's 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 a it's so weird. It's such a bad movie. It's so funny. Yeah, I've I've read enough read enough about it to hear that it's universally disliked. Yeah. And it goes for two and a half hours, and it's so long. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. So yeah, don't watch that. Is all I would say. <laughs> <laughs> watch the first uh, Wonder Woman, uh, but just don't watch the second one. Yeah. Fucking fuck yeah. <laughs> There's some very very dumb things that happen in it. Yeah. Cool. Well, I watched the new Paranormal Activity next of kin. Oh my god! Um, so spooky, is it? Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> Look. All I can say is they're flogging a dead horse with this franchise, and the horse is like a skeleton at this point. Like, <laughs> it's not even a fucking horse carcass. It. When was the last it, Paranormal Activity? They've been making, like, random ones for a while. Like, there's yeah, the marked right. ones, you know. Um, and, yeah, like, from where we started, where paranormal activity kind of um gave resurgence to the found footage genre and was quite innovative um Mm. it's really just gone downhill and it's kind of like it's kind of like they saw oh ari aster is making all of these uh bloody cult themed movies i guess we better jump on the bandwagon but do we have the budget no, let's make this fucking piece of shit movie. <laughs> what dead there franchise one... can we bring back? Oh, cool, Paranormal yeah, Activity. There was one scary part, um, which you guys can figure out for yourselves. I really do think we should watch it as a, as a little group one day, um, mm. maybe after we watch the first Paranormal Activity. Ryan and I will have a blog post out by the time this episode yes. is out about Paranormal Activity. Um, yeah. A couple of them, actually, if you guys want to check out our website. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, yeah, 
we, it's probably been said enough on the show, but me and Kieran are very big found footage fans. And yeah, yeah paranormal activity is pretty special to me. I Yeah. So yeah, I definitely want to write that blog post. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Well, boys, shall we wrap it up? Um, I think so. What, what, yeah. What, um, what are we watching next week? Whose truce is it? I'd love to tell you, Ryan, we're watching... The Terminator. Oh, 1984, buddy. Oh, my goodness. Jeez, you beats. In my top five films of all time. Mm. Yeah. Does so it hold excited. up still, Dane? Oh, absolutely, <laughs> Ryan. Hell it is yes. still phenomenal. Okay, beautiful. Yeah. That is what I like I'm to hear. Excited. I can't wait. Alrighty. Well, thank you for watching the movie with me, boys. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this week's episode of Ticket Stubs. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to like, share, subscribe, or leave us a review. We also want to know what you thought of the movie. If you've been watching along for any of the movies with us, send us a message at ticketstubs at send us a message at ticketstubspod at gmail.com or head to ticketstubspodcast.com forward slash contact to tell us what you really think, and we will read it out in our next episode. You can find all the links in our show notes. And uh, I love you boys very much. Wow. Uh, Crickets, thanks. <laughs> Sorry. I thought there was more. <laughs> yeah, I, I was waiting for more. You just kind of dropped I love you guys there. too. Sorry, Kieran. Sorry, that was so awkward. <laughs> wow, leave me hanging. <laughs> Fuck me, right? Leave her on red, Dan. This <laughs> what, like, like fucking eight years of friendship and this is all I get? <laughs> wow. We're natural. Eight years, my God. Yeah, we were little babies back wow. when we first met each other. Well, except for you, Dane. You've always been fucking yeah. old. You're as old as hey, Ken, yeah. Ken I, from like... the start of the movie. That's you. <laughs> <laughs> Your prosthetics are I'm a bit better, though. The same way. Yeah, Your yeah. prosthetics are much better. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Ah. All right, my dear friends. I'll, well, I'll, yeah. I'll see you next what a, week. What a monster. Monster of a time we've had. Awesome. But uh, yeah, I'll I'll talk to you soon when we talk about good old Terminator. Bye bye. Yeah. Bye guys. Hello. All right. Bye, my friend. Hello bye. to bye. you. <laughs>